You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... Uh, who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. It's a beautiful night for podcasting. In the Commonwealth of Virginia, after further review returns, week five is in the rearview mirror. It is your host, Connor Forrest. I am here. I'm joined by nobody tonight. Well, I didn't even do a Wednesday episode last week. How about this? This is my first time back here in a week. And it is just me tonight. Shawnee is back from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I am back from Savannah, Georgia. So me and Shawnee were um, all about uh, the United States of America in various cities having a great time. But back in the saddle this week, full slate of NFL games to get into. Hope you all are doing well wherever or whenever you are listening. Uh, As I record this, I am staring at Monday night, October 18th. You guys are going to get this on Tuesday. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you are on this spinning rock, this beautiful planet Earth, as we revolve around the sun at a remarkably high rate of speed. Hope all of you are doing well. Savannah was a great time. I'll get into it with Shawnee. I want to ask him about Las Vegas. Um, Traveling is great. i got to tell you, traveling is great. Um, I always forget how much I love to travel until I have the chance to do so. Um, It's a nice little three-day getaway. Savannah is a great town. My gosh, what what a fun time that is. Down south, nice, uh, nice warmth as fall begins to uh, settle in here, uh, in uh, in Virginia on the East Coast. That nip in the air is starting to scare me a little bit. I'm not a cold weather guy, so starting to scare me uh, ever so slightly. But tons of stuff to get into. What a big week of football as we already march into week six on Thursday, which is ridiculous to think about. Um, tons to get into. Me and Shawnee, um, just so we kind of give a lay of the land. We'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to do our Week 6 predictions. Um, We'll get into all the games of Week 6, and we will touch up on the latest news and notes around the league as well. Um, But for now, it is just me tonight, so I'm going to guide you through. I will be your shepherd. I've got my staff in my hand, and we will march our way up this hill. We will weasel our way through Week 5, get you all the things that you need to know. So how about this? How about we just get right into it, shall we? I'll leave the storytelling for uh, Wednesday's episode um, because I know Sean's got some stuff to get into with me as well. I have not talked to Shawnee about Vegas. I talked to him on the phone yesterday, and I said, Shawnee, how was Vegas? And then I stopped myself and went, no, no, we're going to catch up on the podcast because I want to hear all about it. Um, So we will get into that. But 
for now, let's get right into ball. Tons of storylines to get to. And we're going to start in the city of brotherly love. Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to 5-1 and one with a 28-22 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. This game was really not necessarily close. Um, it kind of got closer at the end. Um, but it didn't really feel like the Eagles had much of a chance here. Um, big story out of this one was uh, really I, I thought the play of – I thought the play of Jalen Hurts, and look, Tampa Bay is an elite team. I mean, they're defending Super Bowl champs for a reason, but I think if you look at the Jalen Hurts stat line, I think it's becoming more clear uh, as time goes on that Jalen Hurts is just not the answer in Philadelphia. 12 of 26, 115 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He had 44 yards on the ground on 10 carries with two touchdowns, but that was just about all he could muster offensively. Um, the Eagles refused to use Miles Sanders properly. I'm not quite sure what he did or who he hurt or who he said something about up there in Philadelphia, but only nine carries for 56 yards. I mean, supposedly he's healthy. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, but for the Buccaneers, Tom Brady did what he does best, 300 yards, two touchdowns, a pick for him, 34 of 42. Leonard Fournette had a nice day on the ground, 22 carries. 81 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And Antonio Brown continues to just remind us that when he is healthy and when he is on slightly a snap count and he's not the number one receiver, um, he is one of the most electric receivers in football. 93 yards, a touchdown, nine receptions on 13 targets for him. Um, O.J. Howard, Howard uh, added a touchdown through the air on 50 yards. So the game we relatively expected, the better team won. I think the bigger takeaway here. Um, it's for the Eagles and exactly what they're going to do offensively moving forward. Sounded like Nick Sirianni in a post-game press conference was not necessarily interested in changing the way that Miles Sanders is used. Um, but regardless, the Eagles fall to two and four, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are five and one as they continue um, to just walk through their schedule. Um, that just seems like they're on a crash course of the playoffs yet again. We had a second straight game in London, England, the Dolphins and the Jaguars to god-awful teams we continue to send the worst of us to England I just I understand why I, I do get it you, you don't want to mess up the schedule for an elite team you don't want to have it because let's be clear it's a disadvantage to go to London it's it's it just messes up your week you don't get a week of practice in it's a bit of a handful but listen Urban Meyer is coming back to the United States with a victory and that's all that he could ask for because again his scandal of being in a bar and Having all that was very short-lived uh, thanks to John Gruden and the email situation. So he is a very grateful man for that situation playing out. But 23-20, to 20, the Miami Dolphins follow the Jacksonville Jaguars across the Atlantic Ocean in Tottenham Spurs Stadium. Uh, this game was interesting because I think the Dolphins just were, were, gosh, it just felt like they had every opportunity to put this game away and they just couldn't do it. I'm not quite sure what they were doing. It was just constant missed opportunities and it was a fourth down Failed fourth and one on a weird play call um, for the Dolphins that gave the Jacksonville Jaguars um, opportunities to just crawl the way right back into this game. Um, it was a turnover fest for a little while. I mean, neither quarterback really took over. But I think the big thing we saw here was Trevor Lawrence's progression. 25 of 41 with 319 yards and a touchdown through the air. Uh, James Robinson was was pretty good on the ground. Average four and a half with a touchdown on 73 yards. Uh, Marvin Jones had 100 yards with a touchdown on seven receptions. Jamal Agnew had five receptions for 78 yards. Uh, Trevor Lawrence got a lot of people involved um, in this game um, from all over the board. Uh, he was using his tight ends well. 
um, as well. And LaVisca Chenault, uh, James Robinson, Jamal Agnew, they all had uh, good days through the air. So for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you get your win. Um, but again, for Florida teams, it just was not a particularly entertaining game um, until the end. I mean, it was entertaining in the sense where they, they won on a walk-off field goal, but um, I don't think anyone is going to live or die by walk-off field goals from one in five teams. So the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars get their first win of the season. They were about to set an NFL record for the most consecutive losses, but they refused to do just that. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, we're going to get into this one here because a lot of you are interested, just as I am. Uh, waltzed all over the Washington football team exactly the way I predicted. 31-13 uh, to 13 was the final score. This game was never close. Um, look, I know Washington was leading. Uh, they, they, they were leading at one point, 13-10. to 10. Um, Patrick Mahomes had one of the dumbest interceptions I'd ever seen in my life in the first half. Um, but two red zone drives that were halted because of ridiculous turnovers. Uh, this game should have been 50-13. to 13. Um, Washington's offense couldn't get anything going. Taylor Heineke uh, was was terrible in this game, and um, unfortunately, as time continues to go on, it's very clear that Taylor Heineke is just not the answer. Look, I, I like Taylor Heineke as a story. I think he's a great guy, and I think he is a very, very serviceable backup in this league. Um, he's not a starter. He is uh, not a, a franchise guy. Um, it's becoming very clear that the two games that he, he is – look, as time goes on, I think it's, it's very obvious what's happening. Um, his success has come against poor teams. Um, and his failure has come against very good teams. Um, the reality is if you want to win in the NFL, sometimes you just got to put up numbers and got to out, out punch your weight class, and Taylor Heineke just doesn't do it. And I think at the end of the day, his arm strength um, is limiting this playbook. It's becoming very obvious that Scott Turner um, is either not calling plays because he's not comfortable, uh, or it's just simple that Taylor Heineke's lack of arm strength is – limiting his ability to push the ball downfield. Um, Patrick Mahomes was not particularly good in the first half, but, look, the Chiefs just do what they want offensively. Um, and the Washington's defense is the worst in football. I really don't care what anyone says. Um, statistically, I, I can't imagine there is a secondary that looks worse than Washington. I'm sure if you go through the statistics, they might be 31st or 30th. There is not a secondary on the planet. And I'm going to include high school, peewee, flag football, um, powder puff football, uh, two-hand touch football, family Thanksgiving football. If you combine all of those, I guarantee you Washington's secondary is worse than just about anyone covering anyone else in any of those games. Um, Washington is is a joke defensively, the terrible. Um, the defensive line is 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 stepping up in in a little bit of a better way. But again, you know, five of their last five first round picks, not named Dwayne Haskins. Uh, we're defensive players. Um, you're there spent the entire offseason telling me that they're wanted, you know, they wanted to build this team defensively. Um, it is the reason they're terrible. Um, I look through the schedule and I just don't know if I can pick the Redskins in, or, or Washington um, in any of these games. I, I, I can't. I can't. They're not good enough. Their defense is bad. Their offense is putrid. Um, the receivers, I don't know what's going on with Curtis Samuel, but he's not playing. It's Terry McLaurin and a couple Jags. Um, so it was just bad, and at the end of the day, in the second half, um, it was Tyree Kill, it was Travis Kelsey, um, Daryl Williams at two touchdowns, it was Patrick Mahomes doing whatever he wanted, um, and everyone knew it. Uh, it was just, it was tough. It was tough to watch, and yet again, I, I it is, it's very strange to me to watch a team like Kansas City. This is how good they are um, offensively. Um, they can manage a eight-minute drive in the fourth quarter by essentially just passing because it's just what they do so well. Um, 
it's just tough to watch. Uh, Washington's just so bad, um, and it's a shame because each week you watch FedEx Field look more and more um, like a like a gulag. It just just empty empty seats everywhere, tarp covering seats. It's just really depressing to watch. So um, Washington stink. Um, I'm sad about it, and they continue to hurt me, but. Um, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, for the Chiefs, again, the Chiefs, I don't think, looked particularly good in the first half. And their defense is terrible, too. Um, of course, Washington couldn't muster anything against them. But, gosh, man, the the Chiefs' defense is bad. Um, but this this does not look like uh, the Chiefs' team of previous years. And I, I think at 3-3, three and three, I think the Chiefs should be a little bit worried. Um, of course, Patrick Mahomes does what he wants. But uh, for the most part, I think the Chiefs should be relatively worried about the direction that they're heading in because their defense is just so bad. Um, Tyron Matthew was not particularly good yesterday either. Um, so that is that. Chiefs moved to 3-3 three and three on a 31-13 to 13 victory over Washington. They have won eight straight games against Washington. Um, the last time the Chiefs beat Washington was 15 years before I was born, the 1980s. So I just brutal i mean i don't know if i said that correctly i think i might have said that incorrectly but washington has not beaten the chiefs since the 1980s just so we're all aware ronald reagan was the president <laughs> i don't know what we're doing moving on to metlife stadium the giants get uh basically punted right into the troposphere by the rams a 38 to 11 game um for the rams five or, or uh to five and one start or better for the second time in the last 20 seasons um which is 2018 um, they're on a tear. Uh, I don't know what Cooper Cup, what else he has to do um, to be talked about as, as one of the best receivers in football. Um, he's a monster. I mean, he's an absolute monster. Nine receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns on 12 targets. Um, he absolutely had a field day against New York. Um, and it, again, wasn't a close game by any stretch. Um, Matt Stafford, 22 of 28, 250, four touchdowns and a pick for him. Um there's a point where they had to bring in John Wolford because this game was just way out of reach. Uh, Daniel Jones, I didn't think have a great uh, – by didn't think. Uh, he had an awful game. It was 29-51, to 51, three interceptions, 242 yards. Um, Giants couldn't run the ball. Um, they're absolutely peppered with injuries. Sterling Shepard led the team receiving with 76 yards on 10 receptions. Kadarius Tony got hurt. Um, but you're just the Giants are, are riddled with injuries, and uh, it's very clear that the David Gettleman era in New York is, is going to come to a screeching halt. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the end of the season, but it just is very clear that the Giants can't continue to go um, in the direction they're heading because, again, during the offseason, they kind of fell victim to what Washington fell victim to. They had a lot of great talent, and they brought in, and they spent a lot of money in the offseason bringing in free agents. And they really kind of preached as, as being um, – a playoff contender and they, they wanted to contend for this division. They wanted to be a team that showed up and, and really put it to the giants, or not the giants, the Cowboys and, and, and put it to Washington uh, to be a game changing uh, team in the division. And they just have not been. And by have not been, they've been um, arguably the worst team in the division. So a really, really disappointing direction that the giants are heading in, which you, you didn't think um, they would head in. Now for me, it's great. Cause I, I, I don't like them. I, I want them to fail when they fail. I'm happy. I'm, I'm better. It, it makes my life much, much better. Um, but for the giants fans out there, and I know we have a, a great audience in New York, so forget, I just said what I said. It's not a good one. Um, it's an ugly look for them. So the Rams go into New York and, uh, moonwalk all over them. Rams go to five and one giants fall to one and five, the Texans and Colts, the Colts. Absolutely. Um, uh, I don't know. It was just from the top rope. Dropped an elbow right on the Texans. This is the 31-3 to route of the Texans. 
Jonathan Taylor had a big day on the ground. And this was, I think, a good win for the Colts because the Colts have lost uh, a, a number of games. Now, they do go to 2-4, and four, so nothing to hang your hat on. But the Colts, this is kind of a big game uh, for them in terms of, um, look, you, you got to beat bad teams when they're on the calendar. Now, I've, I've watched Washington routinely each year find a way to lose to bad teams. But bad teams lose. Good teams beat bad teams. And Carson Wentz had a nice little bounce-back game, and I think it was a good confidence boost for him. Colts were able to be bounced overall um, through the air. Carson Wentz uh, only threw the ball 20 times. He's 11-20, 223, and two touchdowns. It was Jonathan Taylor on the ground, though. He averaged 10 yards a carry on two touchdowns, 14 carries, 145 yards. Um, it was good to see Carson Wentz throwing the ball, not just kind of checking it down, but he was able to push the ball downfield relatively well. Uh, uh, T.Y. Hilton uh, with 80 yards on four receptions. Paris Campbell had a huge 51-yard touchdown reception. Michael Pittman had two receptions to the air. Mo Cox, Naeem Himes, um, uh, Ashton Doolin, again, Jonathan Taylor, kind of everyone uh, was able to feast. Um, but it was good to see Carson Wentz look a little bit more comfortable in that offense um, for the Texans. There's not really much to take away from this game, but that they're bad, and hopefully in the draft they're able to address a number of uh, gaping needs. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of this game, it was, it was a big win for the Colts, especially in the division of the AFC South. It's not particularly strong, so we'll see what happens with the Titans against the Bills tonight. Um, but a big win, 31-3. to Colts take out the Texans. Bengals take out the Lions in a pretty hefty manner. Lions go to 0-6. It's a bummer because the Lions are, are I feel like they're better than 0-6, their record would say. Um, they've played some really tight games. They've played teams pretty pretty tight. Um, the Rams and the Seahawks um, being uh, being two of them. But 34-11, to the Bengals were, ever, were able to take care of the Lions. Um, Bengals have won seven straight games against Detroit, which is pretty remarkable. And the Bengals don't look now, but they're 4-2. Um, Joe Burrow had a nice day uh, through the air. Um, Joe Burrow tied Hall of Famer Kurt Warner um, for the most games with 115-plus passer rating among second-year quarterbacks in the first six games of the season. Um, him and Kurt Warner, the only two quarterbacks since 1950 to have that under their belt. Joe Burrow is also the sixth QB in NFL history with a 60-plus completion percentage and two-plus passing touchdowns in each of the team's first six games of the season. Um, trending in the wrong direction, unfortunately, via NFL.com here is Jared Goff. Jared Goff lost a career-high nine straight games, including playoffs, 11 through 20 since losing the playoffs in, uh, excuse me, 18 and 20 since losing the Super Bowl. Uh, with the Rams. Um, but for the, uh, I mean, listen, for the Bengals, I, I do want to apologize, and I think it's important for me to bring this up. Uh, I, I really did find it kind of curious why the Bengals did pass on Penny Sewell. And at the time when we were talking about the draft, a lot of my focus was you got to protect Joe Burrow, right? He's coming off of a big injury, and that offensive line is bad. Um, look, they brought in Riley Reef, and they were hoping to try to build up that offensive line. But it, it felt like, why would you go for a receiver? In Jamar Chase, when you, you got to bolster up that offensive line and protect Joe Burrow. Like, what does a great receiver mean if you don't have great protection? And clearly, I am a horse's ass because Jamar Chase is on a Justin Jefferson-style tear right now. Uh, 97 yards on four receptions. He just continues to be an absolute game changer. He is going to be a star in this league for years and years to come as long as he can stay healthy. Um Joe Mixon had a nice game, uh, touchdown, 59 yards on five receptions to add to his 94 yards on 18 carries. He averaged over five yards a carry on the ground. So really balanced attack 
um, on offense for the Bengals. They were able to stomp all over. I, I don't know what word I just said there. I said stomp. I don't even know what that was. So we're just going to ignore that happened. 34 to 11, Cincinnati moved to 4 and 2. Detroit, they are winless on the year. Packers and Bears, well, this one was a fun one. We talk about the ups and downs of a rookie year, and that's kind of what you're seeing, unfortunately, with Justin Fields. A pretty tough game for him. A touchdown interception, 16 of 27, 174 yards through the air. Khalil Herbert had a really big game. This is uh, their rookie six-rounder out of Tech. Uh, average over five yards a carry, a touchdown, 97 yards on 19 carries. Had a touchdown called back um, on a holding play. But Allen Robinson, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, you know, Khalil Herbert, Marquise Goodwin, they were all involved in the passing game, but just not much offensively. And, of course, when you're going up against Aaron Rodgers, it's just, unfortunately, bad things tend to happen, especially when you're in Chicago. Aaron Rodgers is 22-5 and five against the Bears, and he did it with his feet, and he did it with his arm. 195 yards, two touchdowns, 17-23 through the air. He also had seven carries, a rushing touchdown, and 19 yards. On the ground, uh, the iconic... I own you in the uh, stands where Aaron Rodgers is getting mobbed by his teammates and the Fox cameras are just picking up the audio of, uh, of the game ceiling touchdown run and him looking up at the stands telling Bears fans, I own you. I still own you, which is just one of the funniest things of all time. Now, if you're a Bears fan, it's just nothing but pain, but it was just so funny to see that. He just, you know, we talk about the taunting rule in the NFL. Guys are not taunting each other and, I think it was Mina Kimes of, of uh, ESPN who was tweeting out saying, well, I think he he's now broken the uh, – he's kind of found a way around the taunting rule where if you can't taunt players, just go ahead and taunt the fans. <laughs> it was remarkably entertaining. It was great television. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers moved to 5-1. and one. After that uh, big loss to the Saints week one, everyone was panicking. They have ripped off five in a row and look like they are on a tear on their way to the playoffs as well. The Ravens take out the charge. This was a pretty shocking game. Chargers fall to 4-2. and two. They only put up six points against the Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson is just another level of star. Um, only QB since 1970, um, since the merger, with five-plus starts and zero losses in October. He has never lost in October since joining the National Football League. Pretty big day for him. Um, he did have uh, a couple picks, which is a bummer. Um, did hurt my fantasy team, um, but he's just he's just a game changer. I mean, his ability to run the ball, I, it's just 51 yards on eight carries, average 6.4 yards a carry, had 167 yards through the air, added a touchdown on 19 of 27, but he's just, it's like a joystick watching him, and again, I, I've just, I've always been concerned about his ability to stay healthy with the way that his body is just taking a pounding out there, but this is a big props game for the Ravens defense, who just, just, stuffed anything uh that Brandon Staley and the Chargers were trying to do um the Chargers were going for it on fourth down they were really being aggressive in this game and it just it wasn't a great game for Justin Herbert um he had a pick 195 through the air a touchdown 22 of 39 um and unfortunately for the uh Chargers they could not run the ball at all um, Justin Herbert had two carries for 12 yards. Austin Eckler had six carries for seven yards. Joshua Kelly had four carries for seven yards. And on the other side of the ball, uh, the Ravens, let's see, we had one, two, three runners that averaged five yards a carry. Latavius Murray, Lamar Jackson, Devontae Freeman all averaged uh, five yards a carry or more. Um, they added three rushing touchdowns on the day. Le'Veon Bell found the end zone. Devontae Freeman had 53 yards on nine carries. Lamar Jackson, again, 51 yards 
Latavius Murray had 44 yards. Um, and like I said, Le'Veon Bell got himself involved as well. So it was a really rounded way. It was a big win for the Ravens because they just found a way to win. In, they just have found a way to win in different ways, right? They're running the ball. They're passing the ball. Their defense is stepping up. Um, they look to be a team that if they can kind of put that all together, that's going to be a really tough out in the AFC. They're just a great franchise. They're so well coached. They're so well run. Um, they got great fans up there. Um, just up the beltway here um, for me in uh, Virginia, uh, up in Baltimore. So they are a great fan base, and uh, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Um, five and one for the Ravens with a thirty-four to six win over the Chargers. Vikings and Panthers. Vikings squeeze one out in overtime. KJ Osborne with a game-winning twenty-seven-yard receiving touchdown in overtime. Hey, you guys out there, talking to you. I'm talking to you, Kirk Cousins haters, the people who hate Kirk Cousins, the people who were saying Kirk is not clutch, Kirk is a choke artist, Kirk is this. Um, apologize immediately. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been one of the clutchest QBs, if not the most clutch QB this season so far to date. Um, I got to be honest with you, the Vikings – we're trying their hardest to, to lose this game. Um, they were the better team throughout the, the game. Uh, there was a special teams. Um, it was a block punt touchdown for the Panthers. Uh, and again, for the Vikings, they just, uh, it just, it's a frustrating team to watch because you know they're much better than how they're playing. Um, and again, it's been a frustrating season for the Vikings so far because while they are only three and three, um, you know, the, the Cardinals, they had them dead to rights, and it was a missed 37-yard field goal from Greg Joseph that, that killed it. But let's just go through the weeks here for Kirk Cousins. Week one, he drove from his own eight-yard line to field goal range to force an overtime. He drove them back into field goal range in overtime against the Bengals. Dalvin Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook fumbled it in overtime, and the Bengals would go on to win that. And in week two, he drove them into field goal range, and again, Greg uh, Joseph missed a game-winner chip shot against the Cardinals. Um, in overtime against regulation, Kirk drove the offense down the field twice to try to win the game. Um, and again, had the game-winning toss in this game as well. Greg Joseph had another miss um, to attempt to walk it off in regulation. But he's been remarkable this season. Kirk Cousins has been absolutely remarkable this season. Um, he's been one of the biggest reasons that they, they haven't really bottomed out. Vikings defense can't quite get it together. I, I just don't know what the deal is with their defense and, and their offensive coordinator. I, I don't know what exactly is going on with the Vikings play calling and just the style they, they they're playing too conservative. Uh, and again, that's been a theme across the NFL um, that I've noticed in, in, in recent weeks. Um, so many teams are just playing conservative and the Vikings are one of them. And if they were just able to be a little bit more aggressive or fourth down um, aggressive in situations where they're just putting the ball in their playmakers hands and, and, and attacking a win, um, Maybe it would be better than three and three. Um, but either way, a thirty-four to twenty-eight victory. Kirk Cousins thirty-three of forty-eight, three touchdowns, three hundred and seventy-three yards. Dalvin Cook, who's been out for the past few weeks, had a big comeback game. Twenty-nine carries, got the full workload, averaged five yards a carry, um, almost five yards a carry, one hundred and forty yards, and a touchdown for him. Also got involved in the receiving game. Um, well, actually, two catches for three yards, so not really. Um, Adam Thielen was a star. 13 targets, 11 receptions, 126 yards, and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, 80 yards on eight targets as well. Um, for the Panthers, Sam Darnold was awful in this game. Um, I mean, looking at the stat line is pretty remarkable. 17 of 41, um, 201, a touchdown, and an interception. This was not a good game from him. Um, the Carolina Panthers are one of those teams that I think started out hot, um, but it was probably because along with the uh, Denver Broncos. They, they got a nice light schedule there. Um, but Christian McCaffrey 
being out has completely stymied this offense. I mean, they, they really have struggled uh, moving the ball and generating big time plays without him. Uh, you just got to find a way to do it. You got to find a way um, to, to move the ball, to, to make your offense at least respectable uh, without your star player. I mean, teams do it every week and, and the Panthers just don't seem to be one of those teams. So Panthers fall to three and three Vikings are up to three and three. It was an overtime win 34 to 28, the Cardinals and the Browns. So, Arizona are 6-0 for the first time since 1974, which is pretty impressive. Now, again, week two, they got lucky there with a chip shot miss. But Arizona are just so, so good. And, again, the Browns had a had a Hail Mary uh, right before half to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, other than that, they didn't do anything in this game. And the Browns kind of really got worked. Uh, they're 3-3. Three and three. Again, Cardinals go to 6-0 and on a 37-14 run. Kyler Murray was an absolute star. 20 of 30, 229 of four touchdowns. James Conner made himself an emergence on the ground, which is pretty amazing because the Browns' defense is respectable, and James Conner was able um, to run pretty well against them. Chase Edmonds uh, had 46 yards on four carries. James Conner averaged 4.4 on the ground, 71 yards on 16 carries. Um, they were able to move the ball on the ground pretty well. Um, but again, the story for the... Uh, Cardinals for the second week in a row is the emergence of A.J. Green. Right? A lot of people thought A.J. Green, a washed-up veteran, this guy couldn't do it. He led the team in receiving yards again, 79 yards, a touchdown. He found the end zone again on five receptions. Christian Kirk had a touchdown, 75 receptions, uh, or 75 yards on five receptions. God, can you imagine 75 receptions? I did, that is Lord have mercy. DeAndre Hopkins found the end zone twice on 55 yards, three receptions on four targets so the Arizona Cardinals are rolling uh, Baker Mayfield got hurt in this but he did not look particularly good he threw a really ugly interception um, and for the Browns I, I'm not quite sure where you go from here um, I think you, you've got a great foundation but man Baker Mayfield he is struggling he is really struggling at points this year um, this has not been a year for him and again if he's going to struggle uh, the Browns ceiling is is much much lower uh, Raiders and Broncos Raiders go to four and two with a 34 to 24 win over the Broncos, this is your first game coming back uh, after John Gruden um, resigns, and you step up and make a really, really um, big statement game against a good defense. Um, for Kenyon Drake, he's the first Vegas player with one rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown since week two of 2011. Darren McFadden, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, kind of shows you how desolate things have been for the Raiders for the most part at 34 to 24. Um, was the final score there. Derek Carr had a really, really big game. Again, Sean, apologize. Just if you're listening, I know you're not. You don't really care about me. But apologize to Derek Carr. I just want you to apologize to him. You're you're just a jerk. And Derek Carr is a great man. 18 to 27 through the air, 341 yards, two touchdowns. Josh Jacob had a really nice day as well. 16 carries, 53 yards, a touchdown. Kenyon Drake was able to run the ball uh, pretty effectively. And receiving Henry Ruggs, man, he had a deep bomb that was just remarkable. Three receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, good to see him back. And uh, finding the end zone again, Brian Edwards, he had a couple big catches. Two receptions, 67 yards. Darren Waller, five receptions, 59 yards. So they were able to move the ball through the air. And the Raiders had a really, um, really nice game, um, especially considering all the off-field drama they had to deal with over the week. It's got to be tough for the team and the fan base. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater with three interceptions. That was tough. I mean, the Broncos' offense is not particularly good. And again, I think their their big fast start was uh, was largely because of their schedule. 
So they joined the Carolina Panthers in my eyes as a team that kind of head faked everybody, but offensively they couldn't really do it. Uh, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater was under duress the whole day. So Vegas go to four and two Broncos fall to 500 on the year at three and three uh, Cowboys and Patriots. I do hate to say this. I hate saying this more than anything. Dallas are good. And Dallas are really, really good. Uh, their offense is just as good as you can imagine. Dak Prescott, 36 of 51, 445 yards and three touchdowns. He was on the money the entire day. Ezekiel Elliott uh, and Tony Pollard average over four yards a carry. Uh, but really, it was an aerial assault for Dallas. CeeDee Lamb is just so good, and he is going to make my life so miserable for years to come. 11 targets, 9 receptions, 150 yards, 2 touchdowns. Dalton Schultz had 79 yards um, and 5 catches. Dalton Schultz is a really good tight end, by the way, and no one talks about that. We just continue to not act like Dalton Schultz exists. He's been remarkably good. Amari Cooper with 55 yards on 5 receptions. I do have to give it to the Patriots, though. I mean, they are a 2-4 and four team, and I'm saying this because Washington is 2-4. and four. The Patriots would mop the field with Washington, um, and, and got to give it to how exciting this game was. Um, it was an overtime catch um, that sealed the deal uh, for uh, the Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb on a beautiful touch pass. Um, Dak Prescott, 35-yard touchdown um, with uh, just a few minutes left to go in overtime. Um Got to give it to Mac Jones. I mean, he looks confident. He looks comfortable. He only threw the ball 21 times. He was 15 to 21 for 230 and two touchdowns. His lone interception came off a dropped pass, uh, which is just such a bummer because uh, he really looked strong. He looked confident today, uh, or yesterday. And uh, he just he runs that offense well, uh, and he's proving a lot of the draft experts that didn't like him very, very wrong. Uh, the other story in this one is Trayvon Diggs, who's just insane. I mean, talk about a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, and for a defensive player of the year to come out of uh, uh, as a cornerback is, is remarkable. So seven interceptions um, in six games, which is just ridiculous. So um, just props to Trayvon Diggs, who, who I thought struggled at times last year, has really become one of the premier lockdown corners in football, which is just amazing. So hats off to him, and hopefully he sucks against Washington because I just cannot stand watching Dallas be good. It absolutely kills me. Sunday night football, the Seahawks and the Steelers. Chris Boswell game-winning 37-yard field goal in overtime. It was a snoozer for the most part. Uh, it became really exciting towards the middle. I mean, the Steelers' defense. I mean, T.J. Watt. You took your contract, and somehow you've made it seem like you weren't paid enough. He just takes games over, man. I mean, that's that is the hope that I'm hoping to see. I just want to see Chase Young become that. I I think he still can. I really do. Um, look, he's only a second year guy. It's not like we're running out of time. But that is what a premier pass rusher in football looks like. Uh, the the Steelers were able to get the ball moving offensively. Um, ben Roethlisberger had had a nice day. Um, controlled the ball pretty well. Um, didn't have to do too much. He had a touchdown, twenty nine to forty. 229 but yards through the air. Um, but Najee Harris, he just gets involved in the passing game. Um, he had a touchdown, six receptions, 46 yards. He added that to his 24 carries, 81 yards through or on the ground. He really is that bread and butter to that Steelers offense. Uh, and again, the Steelers just just churn out running backs. I mean, you go Le'Veon Bell to James Conner, and now you got Najee Harris. So for the Seahawks, it's it's tough for them because clearly being without Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson just changes everything. And there's no doubt that he is the face of that franchise and he kind of keeps the wheel spinning there. But 
for the Seahawks, you kind of hope that, look, just float the boat until you get Russell back. But at 2-4 and four here, if you start losing the next few games, if you lose the next two, two of the next three, um, you know, you, you start to see the season kind of slip away. So Geno Smith was not a problem by any stretch, but um, game seemed like it was a little bit of a snoozer. Um, it just didn't help for Seattle that they were going up against the best of the best um, in TJ Watt and that Pittsburgh defense who just continued to uh, to play out of their minds. It was a 23-20 to win. The Steelers go to 3-3. Three and three. And the uh, Seattle Seahawks of Washington State fall at Pittsburgh. That is everything week five. Uh, as we speak, as I'm talking, we have the Texans and Bills playing. So we're going to recap that on Wednesday when Shawnee is back to preview week six. Week six. I'm looking at the corner of my screen here. A 76-yard rushing touchdown for Derrick Henry tonight. <laughs> that dude. That dude is single-handedly A-team. I mean, he is – talk about a guy who was so funny. The first few years of his career, we thought he was going to be a bust coming out of Alabama, and he has become – he is just – he's a mauler, and he's so fun to watch. Um, he is also the Titans team. Like, it's just – without Derrick Henry, I don't know what they would do. So, um, everybody in Tennessee should um, make sure that Derrick Henry never pays for a drink or a meal or rent, really, again. Um, he is that uh, that team, especially that offense. We'll be back to recap – Monday Night Football, and preview everything you need to know for Week 6. Coming up, Shawnee Olette will join me on Wednesday. But for now, that's it. I'm going to leave you guys at 37 minutes. How great is this? This might be the shortest solo podcast I've ever done, which is amazing. So I'm going to uh, give my voice a rest, and I'm going to give you all a rest from listening to this voice. But again, remember, continue to subscribe, leave that five-star review, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, do all the nice stuff. You know how this works. We appreciate you guys so much, and I'm always so, so grateful. This is absolutely nothing without you guys. Again, thank you to our sponsor, Anchor, for jumping on board and helping us pay the bills, keep the lights on in this humble abode in Ashburn, Virginia. But for Kana Force, after further review is a wrap. We will see you on Wednesday. And as always, I will catch you guys on the other side.